Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are chatting with a feature writer who has credits on six major studio releases in just the last two years and a half alone, Matt Lieberman. So Matt is a master of high concept features stemming from both original ideas and IP. Matt's films have made a splash in multiple quadrants from beloved family fair like Netflix's modern holiday classic, The Christmas Chronicles. Wow, that just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? To the Ryan Reynolds-led action comedy Free Guy, which is currently in theaters. And Matt is joining us today to discuss the all-important art of turning our wild ideas into sellable pitches. So welcome. Thank Matt, you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yes, Matt, welcome. And uh, before we get to the interview part, uh, let's get to our weeks or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Um, I'll start. I ran away to Palm Springs this week with my family to work from there. And I'm in post on my TV show. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I I'm trying to jot down the ideas I have because, you know, when you're working on one thing, you have a billion exciting ideas about all the potential new things you could be working on. So I've been trying to write those down um, because they all sound like genius ideas right now. And then I'm just, you know, going through post, going through post. It's great. I love it. It's super fun. I'm learning a lot. And that's what I'm doing. Matt, how was your week? It's been good, but a little challenging, I guess. Uh, just, uh, you know, end of summer, everything picking back up into the school year uh, for my daughter. And I've been working on the script basically the summer, like the whole summer that I've been like, I feel like I've been on the five yard line for like the last three weeks. Is that close? Is the five yard line close? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, that's why I was pausing. I'm like, I'm not, I shouldn't be using sports metaphors. Uh, <laughs> So close. It feels like I'm so close. It feels like I have like a half day of work left for the last three weeks. And I've been in this place before, especially with a story like this, which I guess, you know, it's just about a family when you have two parents, two kids. Those are really tough stories. And I always hit this issue at the end of act two. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just you're having to make all the arcs land and you know, have momentum going to act three. So I've been like toying, and it, usually it's an act one problem. Uh, so I've yes, been, it is. God <laughs> <help> us. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful act one that, you know, seems perfect when you do it. I'm right there with you for my week. I'm very grumpy today because my anxiety has turned to rage just at the process of how hard it is. <laughs> I am in the same place. I have been working with a partner on a project and through if you if you look at when we first started to pitch to get the job through to now, I'd say we've done 10, 12, 15 arcs for this character. And everything around that arc is working and fun. And we have great ideas, you know, all the side characters, blah, 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 blah. Um, but we just can't get it to line up in terms of the front first act, third act. What you're talking about, like that first act end of second act and third act, those poles of her character 
being like so super clear. I'm going to say we're dummy proof because I don't even know. It has to be so clear. And uh, I just, I like nuance. That's, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Everything I come up is very nuanced. And uh, it's, uh, I find it super frustrating. It's like having a Rubik's cube. Like I will get the first act that totally works. We, this could be the end of act three. And then the end of act two, you're like, that doesn't work at all. And then we get the end of act two and the third act. And now that first act, we don't like her. We just totally don't like that character. So that doesn't work. It's really, really, uh, it's tricky. It's super, you know, those poles of the character, they can sometimes be the last thing you get, right? Like you can do many, many drafts until they finally click in. And I'm just trying to do it all up front uh, and hand it to the studio and be like, here's the scaffolding to go hang the fun on. Uh, And it's, it's, it's not easy stuff because I don't know if you find this, Matt, but if if the studio and you and the producers and everybody want a character who's truly changing, i.e. transforming, that means there was something up front that needed to change. Let's call it the flaw. I don't care what you call it, but right. And sure. yet you have to you have to love them and you have to not see the flaw as too big of a flaw or you don't love. Them. It's really to me, if that character is somehow being victimized, it's much easier. Right. Because then that's what you're fighting against and it's them claiming their power. Um, But if it's truly their issue, I just, it's, it's hard to make them likable. Anyways, this is, I won't go down this black hole because it will just go on and on. (laughs) And maybe Matt, you can help us later, me later, but. um, Yeah. Hey, anytime. (laughs) Like this is something that doesn't feel um, odd, right? This is a recognizable thing where you guys have both gotten writing features. So how do you push through? Oh, I mean, I've, I've literally created uh, videos to myself being like, Matt, this is going to be okay. You're going to get through this problem. And then I look at the video and I'm like, that Matt knows nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It never gets easier. You just, I mean, you just have to persevere. And I, and I give, you know, I just have to give myself a deadline. I think, I think it was, uh, some musician was like, I never run out of, I never stop making an album. I just run out of money. Mm, and that's yeah. kind of like, at some point you just gotta be like, okay. This is it. Yeah. So I guess there, it's like, how do you hold on to that hope and the belief that that Matt did know what he was talking about? Well, right? that was right. I always <laughs> do. And that, I mean, that's why we do this is like, you know, you know, have like this, I mean, we're, we're you know, screenwriters, you know, are, in the dramatic arts. So I guess we're probably, my friend recently told me we're dramatic ourselves. Uh, How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) So like, and that is the fun is like cracking it and like waking up in the middle of the night being like, this is it. And then having that afternoon that it feels like I'm just going to have and like bowing through it. And like, I, I think, I mean, the work is like kind of unknowing what the problem is before you hand it, I think. Knowing the note you're going to get. So what do you, yeah. what's your advice around that? Like you, you are struggling, struggling, struggling. Would you ever go to your producer or your whomever and say, here, here's the problem. Um, here are all the things I've tried. Um, and I'm stuck. Is that, was that something no. that you would ever recommend doing? No, I never want to ever turn in something with a qualifier. I like, I, I, my 
I would figure it out myself. I would figure it out. I would go to other writer friends, you know, help crack it, take a break from it, look at it again. I, I mean, I've never really had like such a problem where I was like, oh, I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I it usually stems from overthinking it too, I think. Yeah, uh, for sure. I and, suffer from that. Yeah. I turn it together to the writer friend and then they go, yeah, you're, you're fine. You just need to make this tweak. And you're like, oh, okay, good. I just am so into the woods. I, I can't see it. I mean, that's a consistent thing we talk about all the time. Like make sure you have those writer friends that you trust who you can bring the problem to. Yeah. I mean, there are producers, if you're lucky enough, who are really great with story and can, like, I had a producer once who, in, in the carding stage, she was like, just come over to my house. And we laid them all on our dining room table, which was great. Because if you're going to get our notes anyways, you might as well get them right now. And I'm not saying we figured it out that day, but I could see it helped. But there's other producers or execs who really, that's not their strong point. It's not, they really want you to figure it out. And, and they might have suggestions, but they don't want to work it all out with you. They don't want to, like go through all the A's and B's and explain, you know, here you're overthinking <laughs> right. of why it doesn't work. Yeah. Exactly. So I have a question about, you said earlier, Matt, that writing a family story with two parents and two kids is really hard. Why? Kind of like what Meg was saying, like you want, you need to establish any executive <laughs> that you turn one of these stories into wants all four of them have an arc, but the best versions of these movies, like, I don't know, Incredibles, Mitchell versus Machines. Yes, everybody has an arc, but like, it, it really is about usually the best ones for me are focused on a, on a relationship between two of the characters in the family. And then the other two fill it out. So it's really about bound. So you have to find out, you know, who's your protagonist in the family, you know, who is it really? And it's maybe not always who you think it is. And yeah, what's like the, what's the crucial relationship, you know, that's, that's driving the story. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, also giving those other two characters, whether it's like the two kids or a kid with a dad and uh, giving them all their due. How is, how is a family story that requires everyone to arc different or the same to an ensemble? Um, that's a good question. I've written ensembles. I mean, ensembles usually to me are, I mean, you pretty clearly have, in the ones I've done at least, I pretty clearly have my protagonist and, you know, and maybe my number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's, yeah, I mean, they're just also four people who usually haven't lived together and grown up together. And like the stakes of that, I mean, they, you never want to have a movie about a family where the stakes are just like, you're like, they'll figure it out. <laughs> like if this never happened, we'll work through it. But then if the, you have like, they're about to get a divorce and you know, the kid's going to run away. Like you will get a note like, whoa, Hey, this is, you know, this is too dark. This is not likable. Like, so it's a balancing act. Uh, and you know, my hat's off to the movies that, do it well it's definitely a specific kind of genre in itself yeah but what you say about stakes i you know when i was a producer we called it the get on the bus stakes where you're like you know what if the character just goes you know what i think i'm done and they go get on a bus and go away (laughs) the movie's over like they can't you can't be able to get on a bus and just get out of the movie right Right. like that the stakes have to lock in the character so it's it is but yet those stakes can't be 
too, if you're doing a big studio movie or the tone, it can't be too dark or too real or too, I, that's always, I can do those. I can do those dark, real stakes in like two seconds, but uh, right. that's, it's tricky, right? Cause then the tone issue just comes raging in. Uh, but, uh, and then, you know, I'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you about the high concept ideas just sure. in general you know, listen, we'd love a, a a course on high concept ideas from you. You're you're such a genius at it in terms of where they come from. What even is it to you? What is a high concept idea to you? I mean, I was thinking about that uh, today, uh, you know, thinking about this, you know, the show. And um, because I, I the reason why I think it's a good thing to talk about is I don't think it gets talked about a lot. And I think aspiring writers that come to me with problems, it's it seems like, you know, one that everybody doesn't fully understand and even like you know established writers don't fully understand I, and if you look it up like what's a high concept you know some it's different definitions to a lot of people it's something that makes you think it's something you know with big stakes I feel like it's like for me like the gold standard of a high concept is uh, an idea that's not execution dependent that's what I kind of boiled it down to like it's a, that's an idea that you go that's a great idea. The second you hear it, you can pitch it very easily in a line or two. There's something ironic about it. There's something big and wish fulfilling about it. And you just get it. And the idea is important. And I've had, yeah, writers that come to me and they're like, okay, I have an idea. Like I've even given them the spiel and they go, okay, sure. Like this movie is about ducks. <laughs> and I'm like, ducks is not a movie. Like ducks are characters in a movie. Sure. I, you know, and I should qualify this by saying, like, look, if you have a, you know, a story in your heart and, uh, about ducks, you want to tell about ducks or whatever, you should write <laughs> that story. You should sit down. Do not, you know, this is just, uh, you know, another way to look at things. This is not the only way to, you know, uh, the only kind of screenplay that you're going to sell. But like in an industry where there's a lot of hurdles, a good idea cuts clean through. If I, if somebody aspiring screener comes to me and they're, it's a good idea, I get engaged and I want to help mm -hmm. them. It's not like, uh, I got to help this person, you know, figure out something like, oh, this is a good idea. I feel comfortable giving it to my manager. If I have a great idea, you know, I run it by my manager always. Uh, and, you know, he'll know if it sells or not. And that, you know, it cuts through the noise. What are some examples of good high concept movies or ideas, you know, that have been done that we can sort of reference, like, sure. and how do you think that one line, that click of, oh, wow, this is a high concept was sort of talked about or sold in the room? Right. Uh, great question. And I like, I made a list. I mean, the way I think it was put to me once, uh, it was just like, okay, so I dub everybody listening to this right now, like a movie exec, and you have like a busy day and you get, your job is to like come up with a slate of great movies that make a lot of money. And you got 50 things going on at once and two execs come into your office and one says, I have this script, it's this heartfelt story about a woman, you know, who has whatever coming of age. It's great. It's like a it's a wonderful screenplay. And then someone else comes in and goes like, I have a script. It's uh, Jim Carrey is God for a week. Like, you know, that script that you may pass may win the Oscar <laughs> for best right. picture. But it, you know, you go, okay, I see, you know, oh, somebody's God for a week. They have the powers of God. 
they, you know, I could plug if Jim Carrey, you know, that's a little dated, but like, if he's not available, there's five people I could plug into that movie and do something. And even if that script isn't good, I have a stable of writers that I trust, but I could have rewrite that in a second. Mm. And that is really what, you know, that is what it boils down to. I mean, I have a list of ones I like, uh, just ones that I like, like uh, Truman Show, Matrix, Speed, Jumanji. And Jumanji is interesting because, you know, uh, that's the other part of this is, let's say you're a screenwriter and you get an open writing assignment or, you know, somebody's like, hey, I want you to develop this, whether it's something like Scooby-Doo, like which everybody's heard of or something no one's heard of. My first question is always, what's the big idea? Like, what is the idea that's going to get me to see this if I've never heard of this thing? Because look, Jumanji, that was a movie well, however many years ago. No one cares about that IP necessarily, but it's the new movie worked because it's like a new take on a body swap movie. It's a body sw swap movie that we've never mm -hmm. seen before. <laughs> Where like a nerd, a jock, a brain, a popular kid, they all switch in like the worst, you know, some wish fulfilling versions of their bodies, some in the last thing that they want to be in. So they learn a lesson. Like, I get it. Get that. I don't care what it's called. That's funny. I could put it in The Rock, Kevin Hart, whoever. That movie will work. Uh, so, but you know, that also applies to, to indie movies. I think, uh, I mean, I was like pie. That's great. Eternal sunshine, all the Charlie Kaufman movies buried, you know, Ryan Reynolds in a coffin, the whole movie, like that's a high concept. Like I'm going to, a movie that takes place entirely in a coffin. I'm going to go at least say like, well, I want to look at that. How does that work? So part of it is as much about that the high concept is baked into the movie and the story, but it's also how to take what you have and be able to phrase it in a way that is appealing to an executive, how to pitch your story. I, sure. I mean, be, the, yeah, the, the better the idea, the easier it is to, to do that, I think. Right. Yeah, I, high, concept is in a, high concept is a log line. Like he, like he literally said one sentence, you know, Jim Carrey is God for a week. You're like, got it. One sentence. I got it. Uh, and it's very plot versus the other one. You can pitch really well, but if the executive's like, well, if you write it as well as you pitched it, maybe like, I totally right. hear what you're saying. If it, it doesn't matter how well you pitch it, if it depends on how well you execute it, that's not high concept because they can't hand that to anybody. Um, I also, it, it seems to me in thinking about it and listening to you, there is a very strong plot element to it. Yes. That's like yeah, the, it's, a great it, point. The, it really is a, con a concept where the plot and the character are so uh, essential and intertwined to the concept that when you pitch that sentence, right? I kind yeah. of know when a guy gets to be God for a week, I kind of know what his arcs might be. Well, you <laughs> like, also know who I Jim, get Carrey is. Jim Carrey's roles are a jerk becomes enlightened to not be a jerk anymore, right? That is his has been his thematic in the past, right? right. When he was making it like Liar Liar and The Yes Man, they were all about like, so when you say Jim Carrey, you you get not just the tone, but the plot, right? right. It's know. why you use actors because they yeah. get you that shorthand really fast. Yeah. Totally. I mean, the best one, like my sweet, the sweet spot, like the when I'm like, this is a great idea is like, if there's an organic thematic baked into the idea, it's about something. Groundhog's Day is about something. You you don't have to get nobody's talking about like Buddhism in that movie, but you know it is about 
I mean, they're, they're, it's about a lot of things and, and, and that's baked into that, that character's, you know, redemption or journey or whatever. And that's the, that's the sweet spot. Cause for me, I could build out characters. I could have like the anti-theme character who's kind of, you know, that you could ironically pair with your protagonist. Well, I was going to sort of dig into, there's this idea that like what you were saying about, that there's an organic thematic in there. I think there's this perception that high concept means just, just, I say that like broad entertainment. Whereas if you take like an indie movie, it's more like you can explore emotions or the lava as we talk about, but it feels like you should be able to, you have to be able to put all that personal writing lava into the big, broad, high concept as well. So how do you balance that if if that's something you think about? Yeah, I feel like even, even quote unquote smaller stories or like indie dramas, like there is an idea around, there. Is, I, the, the ones that you kind of, you know, classic books that you even think of, Dostoevsky, like Ibsen, like there's ghosts in them, like, they when you really like look at it and drill down it there there are like these these kind of bigger heightened concepts in those smaller stories uh i mean yeah that's why i uh, like your pie i mean that now it's like about a guy who's you know boiling life down to like math what do you call that <laughs> mathematical equations well, equations thank you okay. math any kind of math is hard. Story yeah. math, math, yeah. math. I can't even talk. I can't even, can't even talk about math. Math no. and sports. Okay, I think we're mm-hmm. done now. We've covered all the other topics in the world. We can just focus on writing. <laughs> I really think that it's actually a lot of people poo-poo genre. Like, oh, it's so easy, and uh, indie film is much harder. And I'm like, actually, often genre is much harder because you have to do all that emotional lava, deep work, relationship work within a genre. And by the way, have a trip, have trailer moments and set pieces that are still thematic and you have a, a limited structure. And if you're even, you're going to break that structure, you better know what the structure is before you break it. Like, I actually think the writers who are doing that high level genre work are some of the best writers because it's super hard. It's super hard. Totally. That's just my so little hard. speech right there. <laughs> so where do you come up with um, your ideas? Where are they coming from? I mean, for me, I like literally go kind of what Lorian was saying at the top of the episode. I go into like idea mode. I like it is a mode. It's I, I'm not a kind of person who just like wakes up in the middle of the night and like taps it into notes on my iPhone. I've the couple times I've done that. I mean, I can't even understand what I write. <laughs> it doesn't even make I'm like, this is genius. And then I'm like. It's yeah. like the candle by the door. Yeah. You're like, what about the candle by the door? <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, it never, I mean, I have like had eureka moments, but it usually comes from saying, setting out and saying like, I need to think of an idea. And that, you know, includes absorbing things, absorbing new material, taking in things, thinking about the things that I love in the world, truck, like coming up with an idea list, sitting down, writing down the ideas, like get, getting my brain kind of in the mode of thinking up a new idea. I mean, it's, it's how I started, you know, when I was just struggling writer trying to, you know, uh, you know, writing specs. It's just like, I knew that would, you know, cut through the query letter, cut through the noise. Like that's what would get attention. So what do you mean it would cut through the noise? It would cut through the query letter. Do you mean like having a great idea? Yeah. Like a, like the high concept Exactly. Like an idea that would get me excited, that would probably get other people excited. Uh, and, you know, I, I, 
I kind of still just search for those ideas. I mean, that's how Free Guy, this movie that just mm-hmm. came out, uh, that's that's what it was. I was feeling stuck in my life, and I I had this idea, like it was it was a what if idea, like what if you could walk around the streets and like see little power ups, you know, that would give you money or health or you know little superpowers okay that's funny well then oh well then you'd be like kind of a background guy in like a grand theft auto game and i was like boom i knew it right then that's a great idea and i pitched it to my manager he's like let's go and uh i wrote it in like three weeks i mean yeah people i think that there is a misconception that specs don't sell spec scripts sell like they absolutely do. And as a writer, I think you should be coming up with I- your own ideas. I mean, open writing assignments, like that's a, you know, the, that's a hustle of its own and we all, you know, all do it. But like in order to kind of work on your own voice and show who you are as an artist and a filmmaker, I think it is important to have your own ideas. Like, and I, you know, when I'm writing my big assignment, I'm doing my own at night. Like I'm kind of like, my own little side thing and it feels special and it feels like mine and nobody's giving you notes. <laughs> Nobody, you're not worried <laughs> about part. anybody looking at it. You're just doing right. it. And when you say uh, spec sell, I just want to clarify these high concept specs. sell. Sure. Um, that, that, that's, you know, the background guy in a game is starting to move into the high concept, right. In terms of, yeah. you know, that sparkly sizzle. So that's those for sure can sell again, if you're doing the coming of age, uh, uh, with my grandma on the lake, harder spec sale, right? Yeah. Just harder, less audiences, less buyers for that. Do it. I agree with you. Write it. Please write it. But also try your hand at some bigger ideas and flood all of that great character work into a bigger genre engine for that idea. You said you were stuck in your life. Like it, the whole way you started your idea was a personal human experience and then you matched it with this high concept idea totally and yeah and i mean even in the, it's still in the movie like i would wake up i would open the shade i'd walk the dog i it was i like i'm a very i'm a cartoon character i'm like live a very routine life and i was just like what is you know what is this it's like i i've programmed myself and like that's still in the movie he opens you know, he wakes up he eats the cereal he opens the shade uh, it's right. It's it, yeah. Something personal transcends, but also like what some to what you were saying, like an aspiring screenwriter said to me, like, well, I were, I write like Mayor of Easttown kind of kind of stories. Like, how can I, you know, incorporate a high concept? I'm like, the the difference is those have to be an A, like a grade A. Like they have just have to be great. I remember reading Brad Inglesby's first script. It was like it sold. Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, went out with it. It was this big splashy sale. Of course, everybody wanted to read it, and it was beautiful. The the it was just the the dialogue was just seemed so like fully developed. It, it really felt like a voice. And so, of course, you see how that script is going to propel this person and get them work and get you know. Uh, so it's not that you should not write those movies at all, but like, uh, yeah, it just is a little harder. Can you talk about your, you said, I wrote it in three weeks and then, mm. then it went from there. So talk us through, <laughs> you got the yeah. idea, you picked it to your manager, you wrote it in three weeks, but then what, how many drafts did you have to write? How to get on the blacklist? Like, what was the, 
what's the behind the scenes journey of Free Guy as much as you can share? Right, right. I, I think I remember we were working on something together like mm-hmm. the day after it sold. And I was like, I, hey, I think I just. Oh, my scratch. gosh. <laughs> wow. It was it was then. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, OK. Um, well, I vaguely yeah, so, remember that. I vaguely yeah. remember you selling something. I had no idea it was this. <laughs> it was this. Yeah, it was literally five years ago in August. Uh, I wrote it. You know, I, I probably sent uh, my manager. I trust a lot. And that's another kind of component of this, you know, is like having somebody in your life. You could bounce because you may feel like you you may wake up and like this is the idea. And I've had many of those. And my manager's like, no, that's not right. That doesn't sell. You know, I've read 50 of those scripts. Like, so, okay, you put them on the wayside. But, you know, so I pitched him. He's like, this is a great idea. I sent him the first 40 pages, which, you know, just kind of testing it out. And I remember he like got on the phone with him and he was like, okay, well, so this one, he like paused. I'm like, this one, what? This one is horrible. (laughs) Like, this one we need to learn. (laughs) Like, this one is special. And like, I knew it was good. And he had a couple of notes. I quickly, then I got excited, quickly finished it. He worked, it was like an easy draft or two with him. And then, yeah, they try to attach producers. They try to, he tries to attach talent, you know, my So agents. your management, your manager did that. Your manager tried to package it up for you. Yeah, with my agents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, with uh, your agent, okay. Yeah. yeah. And before yeah, you I, even, before you even took it to market, before any of that, there was a whole strategy around that yeah, right? they, yeah they try and it, by the way the first person to pass on it was uh sean levy who, who directed it <laughs> the nice. very first pass he, he you know he said so much in interviews so uh so yeah they try you know they go through their network of people they know people who would be good for it we didn't attach anybody but like it was definitely when it officially went out quote unquote it was one of those dream weekends when like People were emailing. Everybody was excited. On Monday, I sat down with like, you know, top five dream filmmaker who like sat me on their couch and was like, I want to do this. And like a big actor. I mean, it was amazing. It was this, I was walking around the universe. They're pitching me. We choose us. That never happens to a screenwriter. And then on Tuesday, Donald Trump was elected president. And then on Wednesday, like the town was like a nuclear bomb went right off. it was just everything got very quiet and it was like hey so all those people but there were like one or two that were still excited mm-hmm. about it uh the producer uh sarah Schechter, she like called me and was like fox is making taking chances they're making these movies you should go with them uh emma watts and mikey ireland they believed in it so i went and then it was in, you know, development. I did a draft of the studio. They, some interesting talent was circling, but then Ryan Reynolds, like a year and a half later, I got an email. Are you sitting down? Ryan Reynolds loves your script. He's in. Awesome. I, I never let myself believe anything, but he was. <laughs> I think it was off. part of the screenwriter's credo is nothing is real. Oh, no. Nothing is real. When is it I even know. real? Never. Yeah, I won't ever let myself indulge that. Like until, like literally, you know. The movies in cash. theaters uh-huh. now. I feel like it's real, right? Mostly. Well, it is. I mean, that this year is because it was supposed to come out last summer, and I was like, wow. I mean, I saw the you know a first cut two years ago, and then it was supposed to come out last summer, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, then it's Christmas. Oh, then it's spring, and I'm just, and eventually, I'm like, I don't 
is this a movie? I mean, am I being pumped? <laughs> like, is this even, do real. they even make this? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was crazy. Wait. Yeah. It's a five-year journey for an overnight sensation, right? Right. That's about right. That is about right. Yeah, yeah, it's right. about right. So I think this is really, it's helpful for me to hear, knowing that I was there when this sold. Like, I barely remember five years ago, right? Like, <laughs> oh, right. Like, it takes that long. And then, and then, like, the world sometimes conspires against you to make it not real. Like, you have so little control about, you know, international events, national events, like, just the world and things that happen. So, it is a long, long haul. Right. Just and you, can, and you yeah. can only control the work. Really. I mean, that's the that is the beauty of being a screenwriter and of right. having your own ideas. Like my wife is a costume designer. She can't just go around costume designing things. Like there has to be a film in production. You can create. You can create something out of the ether and make, you know, and put it into the world. Like you have that power. And that's the only power I yeah. feel like. I think too, one other thing I wanted to say when I was listening to you talk, um, like I have this idea of who I am as a writer, right? Like the things I've written, I've written a feature that's based on a book. It's very indie, right? The, the pilot that I just wrote earlier, I don't know, in April, right? It's very, you know, cable cable, you know, little niche. And then I'm like, what if I sat down and tried to come up with a bunch of high concept feature ideas? right? I'm funny on the page. I know how to write good dialogue. Like, what if I, what if I did? Like, what would that look like in my voice? And what if like you, like, what is my wish fulfillment right now? Because yes, I feel incredibly stuck at the moment. (laughs) You know, like, what does that look like for me? And I just sort of like, it's an interesting challenge to sort of push out of, because it's what we're doing, right? You created a new narrative about your life, right? What if it was this? And so, what if we don't allow ourselves to, we build those gates around who we think we are as creators, but what if, what if we don't have to live inside that gate all the time? So we'll see, it'll be an experiment, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it will be like, well, what if, and then it'll just be exactly what I usually write. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, I burn the world down. That's usually what I write, but what if I oh. didn't, you know, what if I wrote a story of hope that was a comedy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanna see new ideas out in the world <laughs> like that's uh well five years from now maybe <laughs> right but what if so actually one of our listeners had a question about free guy that i just want to oh. ask did, did ryan reynolds and you have any collaboration on the script did you do drafts for him as an actor i did uh, uh once he and sean came on board i did a draft with them uh, and he was as wonderful as you would want him to be. He was like, he came with, you know, great ideas. Uh, I mean, the, the original script, the character was a little, the character of a guy was a little more cynical and just kind of like, why are we putting up with this? Why do we live in this world where, you know, there's crime every two seconds. And his idea was like, let's pull him back and like make him happy where he is, which, you know, great writing note is the character further place to go. Uh, and it, and it worked. Uh, and then he had some big ideas for, you know, three, uh, he, he, yeah, he was just always looking, you know, how do we subvert things? He was also looking at things like from a producerial standpoint, like how do we, you know, do the same scene, but not make it, you know, $10 million. (laughs) And then Sean was very interested, you know, in the motion 
and uh, you know, there's a big, when you see the movie, there's a big, you know, there's a big, ro it's a rom-com on a level. There's a, there's a romance that really ends up uh, landing and that, you know, and Sean really, yeah, what are the emotions of the character, like ground the emotions of these characters, really make the end moment, which is like kind of a ghost moment, land. Uh, so yeah, I did a draft with them and it was a dream uh, and uh, Zach Penn came on uh, to do, he did a little pass and this is a good thing to bring up in the show about screenwriting. Zach Penn was a, nothing but a mensch. He called me the day he got hired. And I, I've done, you know, ever since that, I've done that too, to the original author of anything I've rewritten. Like writers and his, his philosophy is like writers should show respect to other writers. And it's so true. You don't even, sometimes you don't think to do that, but like to have somebody reach out and be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, you know you want to talk about it, like making you a part of the process, like it's important. It's important. I mean, look, not, I'm not talking about a script when there's, you know, 20 people on the title page and like, who knows what this was, but like there's, you know, it's a spec or there's an original author, or even if it's a book, why not call that author? You, you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to. So yeah, that was great. He, he, he kind of built out the real world of free guy in a great way. And uh, yeah, then it was ready to go. Awesome. We also had some industry and process questions from our okay. listeners. Uh, Melissa asked, what's the best industry advice you've ever be, uh, been given or that you've given? <laughs> You're a mentor. So perhaps you give great industry advice or what's advice you find yourself giving all the time to people? I mean, definitely the, the, that I definitely give my screenwriter friends is like to get the first draft out on the page. Like that has definitely been the work like as I get you know, as I grow as a writer, the work is, is definitely like just getting it out of your head. You know, perf perfection is the enemy of good, right? Is that the saying? And I, it's the advice I need to heed all the time. Cause like, until you've got it laid out in front of you, you don't know what it is. Uh, and if you have a problem that you don't understand, even like writing it out, sketching it out, like if there's some bulky set piece, like, you know, they fight or there's a big car chase. This is kind of what happens in it. Like just to get those out, because I'm a very linear writer. Like I can't write, like I know some people write a couple scenes they like and, you know, fill in the blanks. I don't know how they do that. I, I, something is wrong. I, I can't move on. So like- so you but write from to, beginning to end, just all the way through. And yeah. And I'm not saying like every time you write it quickly, like it's good, but at least, you know, then you've gotten it out. People call it the vomit draft, whatever. You've gotten it out on the table. Now you can see what it is. Writing is rewriting. You're going to rewrite it a million times. That's where that's where you're going to make the magic happen. Uh, but you can't do it until you've written the end. I, I literally have to go until I write the end. I literally write the end. And then that nice. psychologically, something like the scariness of the void of the unfinished screenplay dis magically disappears, even though you, you haven't finished Mm -hmm. uh but it's definitely a, a psychological trick so that would be yeah anybody writing just, just write it it's really good advice <laughs> meg what do you think of that <laughs> meg, yeah meg. i have i have and i've gone back I'm, i wrote the whole thing i'm throwing out half of it and now i'm going back yeah, trust me i know but honestly that's where we're getting that's where we're getting i did i called my manager and i was like ah and he was like just write your version you're listening to all the voices they're up in your head 
You guys just write your version that you like, and that's going into the studio because you also can get a little bit submerged in the needs that are coming at you of what they want this movie to be, right? And this producer wants this piece and the director needs that and the executive wants this. And it can get a little, like, uh, I find it can get overwhelming. I don't know, you know, Matt, have you ever found that, that you kind of lose your way in terms of like, why did I even write this to begin with? <laughs> like, like, why did I like this idea? Uh, or needing to please uh, the people who are giving you notes. Like, how do you, how do you handle that process of getting notes like, let's say you get a note that you've tried it, it doesn't work or you're, and you know, is it you or is it the idea? Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Oh, yeah, that's all of the above. I, I've had all those feelings. Uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it could be like even early, in early meetings talking about, the, you know, talking it, about it, somebody could throw out something random in a room and that voice, that person wants, you know, uh, yeah. airplane chase like oh, I gotta put in this airplane chase how am I gonna put it in to please this person and like you know that person will probably be the first to say like this airplane chase doesn't work like when they get the <laughs> final thing this thing you've like obsessed for and try to make work for this imaginary voice that you know the guy doesn't even remember saying like just like derailed mm -hmm. you and I, and I always I do find the things that I obsess over writing while writing are usually things that nobody else cares about it's like something it, it almost is a universal thing, like a thing I'm just like, I need to get right. I mean, nobody even notices it, which is maybe why, you know, if you make it work, that's probably maybe you've right. done your job, but it is yeah. true. I mean, I find that's also like, I'm trying to give myself advice right now, but yeah. uh, that's also how you get Band-Aid monsters, right? Because you're trying to yeah. put this person in for this and they want you to fix that. So I'll just change that and that scene. And, and then as an executive, when I would get those scripts, I could tell I was reading a Band-Aid monster because they've just noodled around to try to get all the notes from all these people in. And that's when you do have to, like my manager, give the advice. What do you like? What do you think works? And it's such a balance though, isn't it? Because you still have to take the notes. <laughs> you, still, you still have to take the notes. Like, you know, another question we had from a listener was about, you know, have you ever been pitched an idea from a studio that either you took it on and you're halfway through and thinking, crap, this idea doesn't actually work, or you have to tell the, I, the studio or whoever it is that the idea doesn't work? Or do you always kind of know and suss it out before you take that on? I mean, I've hit snags and big, um, yeah, I've taken on assignments and like hitting the snag halfway through and then, oh, what have I done? I, I feel like I've come through all of them. I mean, yeah. One was a time travel movie that they had a lot of things going on and uh, it was tough, uh, but I'd never, I've never gotten to the point where I'm like, I need to give back this money. <laughs> like, this is, you, you haven't gotten to that point? No, <laughs> no. Well, here's a, <laughs> so, here's a, so that same question, but one would be like an open writing assignment or so, okay, so there's where you get hired to do it, right? You've yep. pitched, you're engaged, you're halfway through it. You have to figure it out. You have to fix it, right? You're, right. you're being paid. It's a job. But what if it's your, you're pitching on something and you get halfway through it and you're like, oh God, I'm not the right person for this. Or oh, this just easy. isn't working. Yeah. Then right. I just back out of it. Yeah. I mean, that pitching, you know, I don't think anybody, Hey, look, I couldn't crack this. I, there was a seed yeah. of an idea that no one, at that point, if you haven't wasted a lot of people's time, they uh, yeah they wouldn't care. Uh, but like I just realized, there was one time I pitched an idea that I liked a take of an idea, 
that I really liked. I got the job. I got in and first day they were just like, you know, I think somebody else would become involved. And they're like, we don't want it to be that. You're hired still. We want it to be this other thing. And I, you know, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, and I went and I went with their version and their version didn't work. Like it was wrong. Uh, and like the thing that got me excited about it wasn't even a part of that version. It wasn't horrible, but it, that was, that's, that's when it's been tricky. I find that and there, there's the bonus to being first writer in, of course, there's, I mean, we can guess the bonuses of being first writer in. First of all, you get credit for all that IP stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, there's WGA bonuses to being the first writer in and uh, and you get to build it and and hopefully be the only writer that's still a possibility, you know. But I also find that sometimes being the first writer in, you have to show them that their ideas don't work by, not, by them not working. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I'm, saying to them verbally these i'm not sure that'll work because of this so i'm going to try that and then they just pitch it again right you know what i mean because they haven't seen it or right. or they'll pitch back well in the ip the ip does this and you're like i know but that's not a movie and it's almost like you have to show them it doesn't work i think sometimes you have to and that's what you know it's tricky because you don't want to turn in a script to a studio that doesn't work and yet you might have to to show them look we tried it it doesn't work so now can we move on? And I often think the second writer gets to be the genius who walks in now that everybody knows it doesn't work and goes, let me explain to you why this doesn't work. And they're, you know what I mean? And some of you are like, shit, that's kind of what I was pitching from the, okay. Right. Uh, right? Like it's- that's, I hate that second writer. I mean, I love, I love to be that second writer. Uh, yeah. Right? Because the second uh, writer is so, always so the genius. Easier, yeah. yeah, it's going to fix everything because they're not kind of weighted down with either the IP or what everybody thought when they bought the project. Or you get the situation where they bought this project and kind of what you're describing, this executive thought it was this movie, but their boss thinks it's this movie. And you're like, oh my God, you guys aren't even on the same page. It can be tricky. Right. Yeah. I've had to, yeah, I've had to give people their bad ideas and, and you, you know, if, if they're, you know, a good enough producer, they'll be like, I know I told you to do this. Like, <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't work. And another thing I found is like studio notes is like, they'll give you notes that, you know, I'll like, I'm the first one to kill my darlings. And I'll like, to make it work, I will like, I will reconstruct huge parts of the script when maybe that wasn't necessarily, maybe like a lot of notes are sometimes more nuanced. You, you don't have to be dressed. Like when you, when you talk about Band-Aid fixes, like, uh, yeah, I, there's nothing worse than reading somebody else's script and seeing where they clearly just jam these things and you don't want to have that in any kind of assignment. So, and usually, yeah, you just need to be a little more nuanced probably than you think. I think that the overall thing that we just keep talking about on the show, right, is you have to learn by doing. And even then you're still sort of, you're still just sort of every opportunity is a new opportunity to learn something, right? There, there is no code you crack, you know, you learn, okay, don't do that. Okay. Do this, but it doesn't always work in every situation. There's no guarantees. Nothing is real. Yay, being a TV writer. Yay, being a film writer. <laughs> right? It's like, it's hard. You know, That's everything. Right. I, I love going and being on panels because always every panelist walks off and goes, yeah, right. Shit, I forgot that in my script. Like, even though they're on the panel talking about how to be a writer, you were like, fuck, I'm not doing that. I forgot that part. Like, it's just because it's so kind of ginormous what you're trying to do, right? It should, in the end, like any great art, look super simple, right? 
But actually to get to that simplicity is so, it's just a a lot of work, right? Uh, It's, you know, it's even to get, when you talk about high concept ideas, finding that high concept idea that you can say in a line or like when your manager had that, you had that wonderful day that he's like, this is special, which I think we all live for. Mm-hmm. Um, I live for someone saying, this is a movie. You're like, whoa, that is the brass <laughs> ring. To get to that are a lot of misfires. And I well, think that's a lot of- special, this is a movie. I have a few notes, right? Well, there's always notes. I mean, just come oh. on. They're gonna, my, I told you my friend at the premiere of her movie got notes from the, the distributor uh, at the premiere party. Like, I mean, there's always notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was taking the movie back and cutting it. So like, there's always notes, but like, I just think that sometimes emerging writers think that you write a script a couple of times and it's done. And it's like, no, you're going to write that script many times to get to the next script, which you're going to write many times to get to the next script to write many times to get to that high concept idea. Cause there is like, you're right, Lorian, like it, it always is learning, but at the same time, you're gathering tools. Like Matt, you have a toolbox so that when you took this personal idea of the, rep- the repetitiveness of your life. And then you had this oddball, wonderful thought as you're walking around, your brain knows how, because it's written so many scripts. It's gone through this so many times. You knew that's an idea. I know how to do that. Like it is, a, it, you do need to do all this work to get the tools in the toolbox. You do. Absolutely. I mean, very occasionally I've had friends who like, you know, had very big success early on and then they don't know how to repeat it. Like it takes some couple of years to catch up. Like, they're like, how do I do that again? Like that, uh, yeah, you, you're gonna have to do the work one way or another. Uh, you can't, definitely can't count on getting lucky. Like it's, yeah, you, you have to do this cause it's, com- it's pouring out of every pore. You want to do this. Like, yeah, I was, it took so many years of a day job working nights and weekends to even get to the first step. Uh, and I didn't ever even feel like I was, yeah at that first step, it's still, yeah, I, I still don't. And you're mentoring too, which we think is so admirable. Have you ever, have you ever mentored a, a writer like directly with their work or is it more general? And, and and by that, I mean, sometimes when I'm mentoring and I'm reading their work and giving notes or sometimes when I was teaching, when you get it back, you're like, well, they heard 10% of that, which I understand because their brain is frying and they don't even have the experience to maybe understand what you're saying. They haven't written it. Like, do you find that or have you, or do you say more kind of general screenwriting questions? No, no. I, yeah, I, I definitely help people with their work. I worked at, uh, for Imagine Impact where I literally was working with uh, uh, this one writing team and uh, an- another guy like to, uh, yeah, to develop their screenplay and, being a screenwriter is kind of a meditation and eating shit. <laughs> Someone told me like, everybody is always, I hope I'm not allowed to curse. Everybody's always fighting material. It is the nature of the beast. Uh, producer, if he loves your script to make it his own, the producer has notes. A director to make it their own, they're gonna have notes. The actor who's gonna have to put themselves out there and, and sell this stuff, they're gonna have to make it their own. So. Everybody is constantly fighting the material. And in order to be okay, you have to be, I mean, you can talk about, you know, the self-loathing of being a screenwriter, you, uh, but you have to be okay with like putting your baby out in the world and taking notes and, uh, and kind of, yeah, killing your darlings and being okay with that. Like, I don't care where you are in, in the world. Uh, you, you know, it's not perfect. It probably can always, you know, be better. So you at least have to see, you at least have to try. You. 
as a writer, you have the thing that you already have. If you're like, if I'm a writer, I'm giving it to somebody to get notes. Like you already have the thing you gave them. So you're good. But like here, especially if it's somebody who knows what they're doing, yeah, hear what they have to say, like blow up stuff, see what that looks like. You can always go back to the thing. And most likely, and even if it's a producer whose notes you, you don't agree with, you're going to put your own vitamins into that, no matter what it is. So uh, yeah, I, I would say as a writer who's getting mentored, be open. I think yeah, that's what you said about you're going to put your own vitamins in it. That's really important because you you get a note, the impulse when you get mad and you think it's a bad note is just fine. I'll just literally put what you said in uh. it to prove to you, <laughs> right? You can't do that. You have to be like, okay, what is the note and how do I make this work for this script in my voice? And, you know, like the the job, your job is not to prove them wrong. Your job is to figure out how to make it work, right? So you right. have to like, again, more math, but it the impulse can be, you know, fine, you fucking write it, you know, like that kind of table flipping moment that I've never experienced in my life. That's a hypothetical. <laughs> um, but, you know, that you, you have to sort of, what is it, your ego, your, you know, whatever it is, you got to sort of invite that right. part of yourself to sit down. And also as a, somebody who's, you know, aspiring screenwriter, who's asking somebody for a, a favor, I, th I feel like the impulse is always like, help me, just help me get an agent. <laughs> I feel, feel like a lot of people come to me, that's really what they're saying. Like, don't give me, no like, I'll listen to your notes, like to get the hurdle to, so you can give, introduce me to an agent. And like, what I would tell those people uh, is that uh, if you, the work is good, everything else will fall. It is all about the work. If you want to be a screenwriter, like you have to be invested in the art of screenwriting. If, if you work on making your screenplay better, you will get the agent, you will get the manager, that will come. Because uh, there's no magic thing that happens when the manager's like, okay, you're signed, like, welcome to the, the Hollywood rich and famous. That is nobody's There's no path, key ever. that now you get to open all these doors right. and everyone is desperate to hire you. It's like, Here's you Star Wars. <laughs> what do you think of the next Star Wars? That's, oh my God. I was talking, I was talking to my teenager and, and yeah. I don't know how it came up. And I was like, Oh my God, if somebody gave me Star Wars, I would like vomit because the pressure, <laughs> the pressure to write yeah. a Star Wars movie. Holy crap. Like that would Run be away. so so hard i mean so exciting and of course i would do it but i would also it would be a that would be a job right that would be a yeah. job like that's and I, I bring that up in terms of this idea of like welcome to hollywood it's gonna get harder <laughs> I, I hate to tell you um it's also gonna be awesome and there's gonna be super highs like the day your manager says this is something special and ryan reynolds on it and like you're gonna have those times and that's also why we do it. And your story, like your beautiful, wonderful story that you had taking a walk is now going out into the world, all over the world. And people are enjoying it. I'll tell you that my teenager loved it. He oh, loved great. it. He wants to go back a second time. So it, it's it gone out in the world and it's and it's being received. And all of that is great, but it's still an art. And art takes that work. It takes that dedication and that craft, which I hear from you, which is so exciting that 
you're that that that's what you're trying to mentor people. Um, there was one other idea here. What questions are that I want to hit before we wrap up with our three questions that we ask everybody? Do you have any kind of list or even just intuition, like when you get an idea and you're you're how do you put it through its paces? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and again, that might be too big of a question, but is there if there's things you think about? Like, I know as a producer. When I was a producer, there were questions you would use to put it through its paces. Uh, for these high concept, big ideas, is there anything you can think of that you just do intuitively? I mean, when I'm looking for an idea, I could say that I look for like the what if ideas, wish fulfillment, an ironic hook more than anything else. I feel like some, some sort of ironic pairing of characters or... So can you, get into, can you give us some examples of that just to dig into what an ironic hook or an ironic pairing would be? Well, yeah, look, I mean, we have a weapon. That's an ironic pairing. Like a guy who's about to retire and just like so over being a police officer is paired with like a young guy who's insane, you know, but, and also a great cop before and he kind of shakes him out of his uh, comfort zone. What's else? the ironic hook uh, for you? In, oh, like, free guy. What, yeah. Yeah, well, free, yeah, free guy is, I mean, because my original idea, oh, what if you walked out and there was like power-ups in the, in the world? Like, that's an idea. Like, there's, I have to kind of build some sort of reason why that is. And, but it really is ironic. It, it's like kind of that uh, rack focus. What made it ironic was like, oh, he's like the background guy. He's not even the guy playing the game. He's, we've never really like, and it, the opening shot, it's always been, it was the opening of the script. It almost has not changed. Is like, it starts on like this hero, like the badass guy, you know, stealing the car, doing all these great things, you know, and it tilts to like just the guy in the back. And he's called blue shirt guy in the, in the movie. Like he's, but that's how we all feel. Like that's, there's, there's an irony in that. Like we kind of all feel like, you know, out of control in our, in the world. And yeah, I feel like that's, that's what makes the idea click. Is that, yeah. And what I love about that idea is not just the irony of it, which is, guess what? We're not even going to be following the hero. We're going to be following background guy number two. Uh, it's emotional too. And it's right. something that we can all relate to, right? Like, uh, so within that idea is both the emotional hook and the ironic hook, right? right. And that's, that's, that's gold, right? And I right. think what I also hear you saying is sometimes you just have to write it out to know if it's a good idea or not and maybe hand it to somebody else and start getting feedback, which I know is hard. I mean, everybody's like, I don't want to waste time. And it's like, well, <laughs> guess what? You're gonna, right? You're gonna, you're gonna do 10 arcs for one character. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, that's just, that is the process. So that's amazing. Um, well, we should jump to our three questions that we ask everybody. So we make sure we have time for that before we lose you here to your- okay to your writing day. The first question we ask is, what brings you the most joy when it comes to writing? Um, definitely the first draft of, definitely the first draft, not necessarily of an original idea, but I definitely was working on another spec that I sold. I was, I turned in the first draft. I was talking to my manager about it. He was giving me notes and he said something that I'll never, he's like, isn't this great? It's just us doing this. And, you know, you don't have like BS studio notes. You, you're not, it's just, it, and it's true. That's the fun. Like you're, you're, you're making something, we're making something. We're putting it on a show. It's on a piece of paper or it's a digital file, but 
still we're doing it. So yeah. And also coming up with the Eureka idea, like those, that feels great. And you get so excited. You just want to leave the dinner you're at and go sit down and like jot it down. Awesome. That's the joy. I love that. All right. On the opposite side of that, what pisses you off the most about writing? The feeling of not being like we were talking about earlier of yeah, not being able to figure out something that feels insurmountable. You never get over the fear of that, that, of that feeling, <laughs> that your self-doubt uh, when you have that feeling, that you're just like, a, you know, am I a fraud? Every writer has that feeling at some point in a project. And like, that's the worst feeling. But then another, the second best feeling is getting past that and figuring it out, which you will do. That's, uh, that is me, you know, rewind. From this. your lips to God's ears. Yes. The writing is gods. Can you send us the Matt video to remind us? Yes. <laughs> I want the Matt video. Oh you know, my you God. Have to do, you have to do it. It has to be. No, it. I want you to do it. I want yours. <laughs> Doesn't make. I don't believe the old me. So you know, at least I have to be the old you. If I did a video right now, I'd be like, just quit. Just go to, just go. Just forget it. This is just. It's over. Just go on the tour of Japan you want to do. Just go. <laughs> All right. So our last, um, and by the way, just today, everybody gets to that stage and I will move through it and then I'll do my own video, I swear. Um, okay. So the last question is, uh, if you could be remembered for one scene you've written, which one would it be and why? Oh, wow. It would be maybe the scene that I kind of was the spark of free guy, which is like, what have you put on these glasses? And like, you suddenly could see this world around you. And I had that scene pretty perfectly pictured in my head. It's kind of what I wrote in that first draft. And it still is in, the, it is in the trailer. And, uh, and it gives me chills every time I have seen it. I've seen it like three or four times now. And, you know, uh, so I guess that would, I'm, I'll probably yes, think of the real answer later today, but um, no, the scene that gives you chills, of <laughs> course, that that's one of them. They gave you, it's still giving you chills. It's amazing. Awesome. So guys, uh, just to our listeners, free guys is in theaters now. So if you feel comfortable, you should definitely go out and check it out. Uh, be sure to also view Matt's other hits available on multiple platforms. And thank you, Matt, for joining us today and sharing all of your wisdom with us. And um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slashy thing, The Screenwriting Life. That is how I talk in technical terms. You're welcome, everybody. And please do drop us a review on Amazon Podcasts. And I just want to also say thank you to Matt so thanks. much. Thanks for having awesome. me. That was fun. Amazing. Yeah. Super, Loved super it. fun. And remember to keep writing, everybody. And you are not alone. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.